0: Hello, welcome to another From the Rookery End. uh, My name's John, with me is Mike. Yes, watcher. That's a chipper Mike, and we know when chipper Mike is around, Watford have won a game of football. Well, actually, it's just because we're having the Chinese for
1: for dinner tonight. But yeah, (laughs) yeah, great to be a Watford fan again, isn't
0: it? Uh, Watford uh, winners, victors, uh, 2-1 away at Swansea. Uh, And uh, this podcast, we'll we'll talk about the game, plus we'll answer some of your questions uh, that you sent us in the run-up to this podcast. Uh, But we're going to dedicate this podcast to uh, Stephen Todd.
1: Yes, Captain Toddy, as he was known to to so many, we were we were deeply saddened to learn of his his passing earlier in the week. Um, absolutely huge Watford fan. If you knew him, you that that goes without saying. Um, but he was home and away stalwart for for many many years. Those of you on the Watford mailing list will will know him. And not only did Watford mean a great deal to him, but he meant a great deal to a lot of Watford supporters. And there's a, there's a huge amount of, um, of sadness this week amongst our fellow Hornets uh, at his passing. So, yeah, only right to, uh, you know, he's, he was one of us. He genuinely was one of us. Watford flowed through his veins like it like it does for us. So, yeah, absolutely right to, to dedicate this from the rookery end to, uh, to Captain Toddy. Let's look at the game. Uh,
0: we are going to chat to our friend Colin. Uh, I spoke to him earlier today. He was at the game yesterday. Uh, he was down in Deepest Devon uh, when I talked to him on the phone this morning. And I started by asking uh, Colin how it felt at the end of the game after that 90th-minute winner from uh, Richarlison.
2: Well, I spoke to one, um, one Watford fan who said that that was a balaclava job, meaning that we'd mugged them for of, of the three points, which I, I think was, uh, despite the jubilation, obviously, at Richarlison's winner, I think there was a feeling that we'd, we'd uh, got away with it, really. Because from 30 minutes onwards, from 30 minutes to 75 minutes, ones who were completely... Dominant. The last 15 minutes of the first half, we were we were hanging on a bit uh, at one nil, having played really well. The first 30 minutes was just a reprise of the sort of Southampton-Bournemouth performance. Very good, very uh, fast, uh, keeping the ball well, dominating possession. They were a bit they were they were a bit all over the place, Swansea. But then they started to claw their way into the game. We gave away a lot of free kicks, not really in dangerous areas, but inside our half, which allowed them to. Uh, you know, to put the ball into the box. with their much taller team. And they started to get dominant. And at half time they made a big decision, Swansea. They brought on a, a striker. Uh, they made a double substitution. And in response to that, Marco Silva decided to bring on a third defender and change the system completely from what is a 4 3 one to a, a 5-4-1. And he took off Kapu, who admittedly is not Chalabar and doesn't play at the same kind of pace as Chalabar. He still... He played, he played quicker than I've seen him, but he still does tend to slow the game, which is not really the style that we've been playing away from home. Uh, but he got pulled, and by pulling him, we basically vacated the centre of midfield, and they poured into the breach, and the goal looked like it was coming. Then they scored, and uh, then I think they made mistakes, one because then they went completely mad and just started running around like crazy for the next sort of 15 minutes. And then Marco Silva it was either a stroke of genius or it was a response to a mistake that he'd made. And we can talk about that a little bit. But he then brought on Dini and Pereira. And their defence started to worry about holding on to the one point while their attack continued to try and attack. So they got very stretched. and There was a lot of space for Pereira to work in. And uh, and the ball stuck to Dini. And that was what we were lacking, really. He was holding the ball up really well. Even though he was on the pitch for 10 minutes, he was he was almost man of the match Uh, and uh, the way he managed to get to flick the ball towards Richarlison and Richarlison came through and finished and uh, it did feel a little bit like we'd we had sort of stolen the three points because for those 15 minutes after they scored it looked a better team a more clinical team would have taken advantage of us and scored maybe one more or maybe even two more but they didn't do that and then they tired because they put so much energy into those 15 minutes after they'd scored that they suddenly tired and uh, they're not as fit as us, and we were fitter, and also we had a better bench. We could bring on Pereira and Dini; they couldn't do that.
0: Uh, let's let's talk about that that Capu uh, substitution. D- that it felt like it like came from almost nowhere, for for no real real reason.
2: There was a lot of head scratching because they brought on Tammy Abraham. They'd gone to what was effectively a four four two, and he obviously didn't think, despite the fact that Cabaselli and Mariapo had played really well in the first half. Uh, is, particularly when we were under a lot of pressure he felt obviously that he had to change the system and go to three at the back by bringing on not quite sure what do we say Wagyu? Yeah. Wag?
0: yeah, That fella
2: Yeah that fella and he's a big unit he came on and he looked He looked good but the system was changed and if you change your whole system uh, in mid-game it's going to take a bit of time to adjust and I don't think the two full-backs really knew whether they were supposed to push up uh, and join midfield or whether they were supposed to stay back in a, in a back five and they chose to stay back and the problem with that was that we were just overrun then because, there was, because there was, it wasn't just that it was Kapu, it was just that we'd lost a man in central midfield and they exploited the space that that gave them. And it did seem to be a peculiarly defensive substitution which made us vulnerable and basically they had the ball from then on. We couldn't, we couldn't win it and we couldn't, when we did win it, we
0: couldn't keep it. Before you we went off, I suppose, Kapu was, was, was placing uh, Chalabar. Um, uh, did, yeah. did it feel, though, in that first half that we, we missed Nate?
2: <laughs> yeah, we did. I mean, Kapu did a, a decent understudy job. He he ran around a bit. He he played a bit quicker. His his pace was faster, partly because the team around him was playing at a faster pace. But he can't keep that up. He just can't keep it up. So in the end, he what what happens is that the team starts to slow down to his pace, and that's what where uh, that's where the, the game turned in the first half. So I'm not entirely sure that taking off Kapu was was just a tactical thing about bringing on another defender because they brought on an attacker. It was also partly to do with this isn't really quite working in the way that it had been. But it seemed odd to replace him with a central defender. That did seem, it seemed peculiar, it looked like a mistake. Because if, if a team brings on a second striker, surely the response is, to, is for you to bring on a second striker and say, well, if you're going to do that, we'll do that, and then you have to worry about us. But by bringing on a defender and taking off a central midfielder, we were saying, OK, we're going to worry about you, and you're not going to have to worry about us as much. And that really showed in that period of play
0: after half time. Because uh, uh post match sort of praised um, Marco Silva for for doing such a change. Uh, but I wasn't quite sure. But I think it's, <laughs> it was such a quick clip on match of the day. I wasn't sure if he was praising him for this change of putting him on, or it was the change of uh, of at half time. I'm assuming it's the Dini one yeah?
2: Well, he said on another day, if it had gone wrong, he'd have got he'd have got you know he'd have got heavily criticised for bringing on Wagyu. Uh, but because it, it turned out all right, you know, he, he should take the praise. But actually I think what happened was that he he watched Swansea start to tire and thought right this is the moment and brought on two attacking players and, and that turned the tide and then and then they looked they looked leggy and we looked like we were still up for it. And with twenty minutes to go I said to my friend standing next to me, I said, We're clawing our way back into this. You know, we, we might we might nick this. And uh, eventually that that's what happened because in the end, they couldn't make up their mind whether they were going for the winner or whether they were going to try and hold on to a point. Swansea, that is. And that left them very stretched. And there was just masses of space for Pereira to play in. And I have to say, I, I, my feeling is going forward that if Chalabar is injured for a long time, which it looks unfortunately like that might be the case, then surely Pereira will come and play in the cleverly position and Cleverly will drop back and play alongside De Correa because actually Cleverly ran his heart out all game, snuffing out uh, trouble trying to get the play going as did Decore but they looked, they looked decent together but Pereira was uh, I mean it, it's hard to tell isn't it when you bring a player like that on when the opposition is tiring but he looked uh, he looked back to his best I thought yeah I mean there were other things about the game which were, were positive for instance Andre Gay got a goal yeah and hopefully he can go on and, and, and kick on and score some more goals he did fade a bit in the second half he was very isolated at times he didn't come back and try and help out but that was thinking that was a coach thing it was like stay up there when the ball comes out try and hold on to it but he was unable to do that, and he was, and he did, he did start to become ineffectual in the game in the second half. He didn't, he didn't really contribute. And then when Deeney came on, we were all reminded of of, of Deeney's qualities. And I have to say, I thought his ten minute performance, his cameo, if that doesn't silence people who think that you know his time is over at the, uh, 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 Watford, I think uh, nothing will because he really proved his worth and, and his delight at Richarlison's goal, which adds, I thought Richarlison's celebration was uh, was excellent. <laughs> excellent twenty year old a bit earlier uh, he he sort of got nearly past the defender and it looked like he was going to score and then he he got nicked off him and he went down on the ground and he was punching the the turf with his hands so then when he got a second chance and he scored he just went a bit loony you know But, but equally Dini's delight was just so great to see because he'd kind of nicked the ball off the defender or he kind of intercepted it and pushed it into Richarlison's path and when Richardson scored, he just went completely mad in classic Deany style. And he looked so delighted. And I just thought, he's really here. He's really still committed to this team. Uh, and he looked fit. And he, he looked strong and uh, determined. And all the things that we associate with Dini, he, he looked like that. And it was a delight to see, I have to say. Almost brought a tear to my eye, John. <laughs> well, I think what's interesting is when you get a new coach, as, as fans who watch most of their games live it takes a bit of time to get to know the coach. You know, we've had a great start and we, you know, there's a bit of, oh, he can walk on water, but then this game, I thought it was a bit like, Oh, okay. So that's interesting because in the past, he almost all his substitutions have been attacking. And then this time, because they changed their personnel, he immediately reacted by, by going in, into more into a defensive position, playing a system that we've not played all, all season, three at the back to two, two wingbacks. Uh, and that was odd. And and it, it I have to say, there was, there was a bit of worry and anxiety you know, amongst the, the travelling faithful because it did seem it seemed an odd choice. He rectified it eventually and it worked out really well. But as I said before, I think if we'd been playing, I don't know, let's even say a West Brom, or a more powerful side, not necessarily one of the top six, but maybe even a team like Southampton, if we'd done that uh, at their place. I mean, just a better, a more clinical team. They would have scored the first goal uh, as Swansea did, they would have taken stock, thought, we've got these, and they would have engineered a second goal. What happened was that Swansea went mad, they panicked, and thought, we've got to get the second one, and they just ran around so so much that after 50 minutes, they looked exhausted. So as a as a tactic going forward, that concerns me. If he's going to do that just because someone throws on a forward and we go into our shell and bring on another centre-back... That, would, that worries me a little bit because that's, that's, very, that's a very defensive tactic and it didn't really work because it brought them onto us and they scored and on another day they would have scored another or maybe two more and a better team would have done and we wouldn't have got out of jail with a last-minute winner. And so, yeah, we're getting to know him and, uh, and that was a sign and that was something we hadn't seen before. That kind of that, It felt a bit like a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, they brought on Abraham right quick, get, get, get warmed up, we're going to go to three at the back. And, and I have to say I didn't think the system suited us particularly and I didn't think the players were really they'd obviously they'd obviously worked on it in training he wouldn't do it otherwise but they didn't look as comfortable in that in, in that in that in that setup. they didn't look like, uh, uh, like they were really on top of it as a system uh, and we paid the price but fortunately we didn't pay the ultimate price
1: I've got a terrific idea you know <laughs> you go on. let's swap Danny Murphy and Martin Keown for Colin <laughs> Get him on match today. What a perfect summation! I think he nailed it at the end. Then when he said um, Marco Silva, it was a bit of a knee-jerk reaction. And I was I was listening at home. I couldn't make the game unfortunately yesterday, and it was evident yesterday at, at half time that Abraham was coming on straight away, almost as soon as they were off the pitch. Abraham was stripped off and ready to go. So it was very, very evident, very, very quickly, almost right at the start of half time, that he was coming on, and I reckon they might have seen that, and I think he might have spooked him a little bit and thought, right, oh god, this is a, a sign of intent. Let's let's react. Let's sort let's get out ahead of the game almost, um, and start the second half almost like an, a different match, different formation against their different formation. So, yeah, but knee jerk is. Yeah, I don't know whether I agree with that or not, but... um. Well, for me, I think what you just said there is sort of the only way I could rationally
0: do it in my head. The thing you would have thought you would have said, oh, they're bringing him on, oh, keep keep an eye out for him, you know, he's pretty tasty. Uh, And we'll see what happens after 10, 15 minutes. But actually, like you say, he went and go, no, let's do it now to almost throw them off the the scent, almost, or or throw them even another curveball, because we were set up and have been playing a different way,
1: except... I think it was too much of a change for us. It was decisive, which I think you have to you have to admire him for. He's seen what's going to happen, and he's reacted the best the best way. He, he had 15 minutes to think about it, and 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 he's gone for it. And what I like about it is that yes, okay, the, the the next sort of 30 minutes was was a bit hairy, and um, as Colin rightly said, it sounded like we could have could have easily lost the game. We didn't, but at least he went for it. At least he he, he was happy to shuffle his pack, um, and he made that decision and and, and was decisive. Um, the other thing uh, to pick up on, Colin said at the start, and he's talking to his mate about how it is a, a balaclava job that's what away games are like you have to go away from home and you have to a lot of the time you have to stick in stick with it and um, you have to ride your luck sometimes you look at Man United at Southampton yesterday you know we we won that with ease down at Southampton and similarly at Bournemouth you're not going to be able to do that in every away game of the of the season Man United struggled to do it at Southampton so there's no reason we shouldn't struggle to do it at, Southam- uh, at Swansea you're going to come up against uh, peaks and troughs they're going to they're going to mix up the formation they're going to have to go for it because they're at home and so on uh, um, so, yeah, away games are like that, and I know when you're there, it like feels like sometimes it's weird, and it sometimes you're serene. and You think we're going to be alright here, but otherwise you're totally fraught. And um, I can I know what it's like when you're there. You feel you feel up against it. The crowd's noisy and stuff. Um, but we well, I think in some ways we scored too early. That yeah, on 13 minutes. I know it felt great.
0: Um, but then that gave them a little bit of time. Going, oh, so we're going to make those changes. And maybe if we hadn't, hadn't scored so early, they wouldn't have made all those changes as, as abruptly as they did. And we wouldn't have done blah, 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 blah. You know, as, as who knows what happened. Um, but I, I, what, is, what sort of has worked for Marco is the fact that, we, like, as Colin said, we haven't seen the 3-5 uh, um, at the back. And he's sort of going, well, that, he's, he's done it against Swansea. If you're ever going to do, do it in the Premier League, you need to do it against a team that you can feel he's half comfortable they're not going to absolutely pummel you and he sort of did it at the right time in that Swansea game and he had an ability to to correct it as he did by putting on Dini and, and Pereira um, so it it, it it was successful but there was a change and it wasn't always necessarily the best one he could have made
1: Perhaps, but ultimately, I mean the other thing I tweeted last night. The thing that really, really pleased me about having heard the game and heard how much pressure we were under for that for long swathes of the of the of the fixture, that they dug in. They had to do it at home to Liverpool, um, uh, in particular, and they've done it again, again here. They did it at home to Brighton. They really you know put their balls on the line and work really hard to 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 stay in the game and then to have the confidence and the um the prowess and the the ability to go and nick it at the end they're fighting for each other and they're fighting for their head coach which i think is is something that we can take great excitement from that we you know he just wouldn't have had that last year that wouldn't you know we can't, we can't get your heart back to Matt Zari, but you can only compare it to to last year and we that wouldn't have happened we it's been too all too difficult um the formation's not working boss we've got injuries we've got suspensions it's too hard it's not gonna happen whereas last last yesterday you know Mariapa that sliding block to, to prevent an almost certain goal and they just stuck at it. They just they didn't give up and and got their just uh, just desserts in the end. And that for me was probably the most pleasing pleasing aspect of it. Combined with as you said and, and as Colin said that that change at the end throwing Deeney and, and Pereira on and you see just by looking at the the last couple of minutes on on the highlights and where the goal came from those guys were were absolutely integral in it. Troy in in particular. Um, so yeah, it he's using our squad. Um, and I like the fact he was decisive at half-time. I love the fact we've got people like Pereira and, and Dini to come on, and then you look who else we've got on there. You know, there was Daryl Yanmat, who, who wasn't used. There's was Isaac Success, who, you know... <sighs> who knows what you're going to get from him. But, you know, to give him his dues when he comes on, you get that little bit of sparkle. And then you've got the Greek international number one goalie on the bench as well. So it's pretty exciting. Um, and you can't blame him for having given that strength in depth for trying to get out ahead of the game and and keep playing on our, on our terms. Whether he'll do that again, who knows. But um, Watford won the game... Two one, and I reckon they deserved it. You 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 have to do that away from home. You have to roll with the punches, and they'd stayed in the game. Swansea couldn't put us away. They didn't create masses. You know, a lot of it was brought on by our own. You know, and you know, yes, when you're under pressure, you do foul. But I think Watford, we seem to have this propensity to to make silly fouls and rely on the foul almost as a defensive measure. Sometimes it feels like. Um, so there was lots of fouls going on and, and it always from minute one it always felt like Swansea's biggest threat was going to be from a set piece so that's I think from where a lot of the pressure came from the amount of chances that Swansea created not masses not loads so yes we were under pressure but we stayed in the game worked hard nicked it well earned three points
3: a podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end
0: Mike's uh, name is Parkin, uh, his son called Arlo.
1: And uh, this is our feature, Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to Michael Parkinson, once again, Arlo. Arlo, how are you? All right. All right, OK, well, that's that's good enough for me, mate. Better than all right, Watford won again yesterday, but they had to go to a different country yesterday. They had to go to Swansea. Do you know what country that's in? Wales. Correct. Well done, boy Now, my question for you today is, if you had to go and watch Watford play in a different country... Which country would it be?
3: Um, South Africa.
1: South Africa? Why is that?
3: Because it's a good country.
1: Mate, that's a very, very good answer. Thanks very much for joining us.
3: Bye bye. See you
0: later.
3: <laughs> a podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans.
0: This. Is from the Rookery End. Thank you very much for everyone who follows us on one of our social media platforms. That might be Instagram, it might be Twitter, it could be Facebook. Uh, we are at What for Podcast uh, on all those platforms. If you want to give the search or from the Rookery End, and we often ask you uh, for some of that podcast, what kind of what's on your mind? You know, we we can talk about what's on our mind, but we want to try and be this as uh, inclusive as we can of, of a podcast. And what's on your mind? What what kind of questions do you have going at the moment? You know, we're sixth in the Premier League. we were on eleven points after six games. And the first question that came in from, uh, from James Pringle, he says, what airline do we fly for our European games next season? Now, I know he's joshing with us and it's starting to feel really good. I suppose that then goes on to Stuart Grant Salomon, um, Salomon's question. Are we really as good as we think, hope we are? What, what point? I know you're going to say, no, we need to get the 40 points because that's what you've been saying for like, the last couple of years, Michael. The 40 point mark is the important thing and you're right. But what point? What do we have to do for it not to be a joke? For it not to be? Let's think beyond forty points. Let's sort of not think. Let's dream beyond forty
1: points. I think we start have to we have to start getting some results at home. The reason I say that is I found out a stat earlier. I can't remember who it was on Twitter, but thanks for uh, for posting it. Watford and Tottenham have both won both all three away games this season and failed to win all three of their home games. And the last team to do that was Derby County in 1912. (laughs) So, and of course, it's the third, it's the first time in Watford's history that we've recorded three away wins in a row. So it kind of, that in itself tells you that it is becoming real. Winning games away from home. Yes, okay, Swansea, Southampton, Bournemouth, all teams with their own, um, own issues perhaps, but... Premier League footballers, international footballers, um, you've got to go there and win it. So for us to do that, to get the points on the board, you know, we're we're six, effectively joint fourth on the same number of points as, you know, Tottenham who have got Champions League ambitions and, and Premier League title ambitions. We've had the same start to the season as Tottenham Hotspur and Liverpool. So... That for me tells tells its own story. I said there you've got to get you've got to start getting some results at home. Yeah, I I'd, I I'd, I'd go along with that. I think, um, uh, but then the the Brighton game was a bit of an anomaly. We were down to ten men, so it is real. silver has got us going. He's got us got us purring. The thing that that nags sort of nags at the back of my head, and the squad does look great in terms of strength in depth, um, but how we react to. Key um key players being missing. So we're yet to find out how long Talabar's absence is going to be. You know, there were lots of rumours flying around yesterday, certainly on Twitter, that it's something around four months. Um, you know, anything like that or or God forbid anything longer if it's a serious injury, straight away your heart sinks because everything that's good has come from not everything that's good, but Chalavar has been at the heart of a lot of what's been excellent for Watford. He keeps Watford moving forward. He always looks for the pass. And he, for me, has made us look like a, a genuine Premier League side. I think we've been organised to a, to an extent the last two seasons. This year, all of a sudden, we're asking very, very different questions. And a lot of it's been been down to him. So the reason it's not all down to him, but the reason I would mention that is if we lose key players like that, um, you know, Andre Gray or, or, or Troy Deeney aren't available, for example, or... Uh, Richarlison or Carrillo, who who was was terrific yesterday, you know we start losing those mm. key performers. How it's the same for everyone, I guess. But um, I guess it's just I'm just nervous because, like you say, I'm looking for reasons not to not not for us to expect to not not to expect us to to go on and win. But really, there's no reason not to not to really enjoy it. I think people are starting to say it feels like we've got something special going. We feel like we've got big time players. Mm. Um, you know, Richarlison, I don't think, got the credit he, he deserved for, for finishing that goal. Yes, there was some bad defending, but that, that still needed finishing, and, and, and he did it. So it feels like we've got some real big-time players. It feels like we've got a big-time manager. Um, and again, thinking forward, you think, well, how long can we hang on to Richarlison? How long can we hang on to Marco Silva if this starts? But I have to train myself, and I guess we all have to train ourselves, to say, well, bollocks to that. Let's just enjoy it for what it is. Watford are punching... Um, up there with the with the big boys, we're joint fourth. Effectively, it's been a terrific start, and there's no reason why I can't continue. Just
0: enjoy it. And that sort of where Martin Pollard, his question came in. He says, uh, "Have you ever felt this confident that Watford can get three points away from home while in the top tier?" And I certainly haven't in the last couple of seasons. Um, I can't even think of when well, the Championship, where I think we would go away and uh, and, and get three points. Even that lovely year under uh, under under Zola. But you sort of talk about you know, Ch- Chalaba going and, and Colin sort of he sort of said well what you could see is you could see uh, cleverly going backwards yeah. uh, to, to go alongside De Corey. that makes sense and that's that's not too much it's not you know, cleverly has been an important, important player uh, and then Pereira would come into where, where Cleverley's place is because the question um, uh, James Wiley says was uh, when does cleverly deserve an England call up given the form uh, this season does he deserve it of course he deserves it that is exactly what you want from an England player but he plays for Watford and I don't think he'll get that call up. The only thing reason I can, you know, any reason Chalabar got one is because of his that cl- close international working relationship he had with Gareth Southgate. I can't see
1: Cleverly getting one, even if he deserves it. Uh, yeah and i i'd, yeah, I'd start as an england supporter oh, I'd whether you want tom Cleverly in the squad I don't know but we're not talking you know i don't want him to play for england i want all his energies yeah. going going on watford cuz that boy works incredibly hard for 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 us he you know he's bought into it as soon as he came back last season he was absolutely integral to us staying up in the end i think he gave us a real boost just when it was needed I mean, it wasn't a massive bounce was it but Without him, I think we would have struggled even more than we did um, as the as the as the season wore on. So I think he's terrifically important for us. He's one that doesn't really catch the eye. You know, we've mentioned Richarlison, we've mentioned um, Curilo, and uh, and you know people like Feminia have have done really well and come in and and really caught the eye. And they get people, they get bums off off seat sort of thing. But the amount of work he puts in, very similar to to Barami really, really does the heavy lifting for the, for this. Um, for this team, and it allows the likes of Chalabar to to pick those passes, and it and it uh, he's absolutely vital to us. I know exactly uh, was it James? Yeah. Uh, well, I know exactly where he's coming from because his um, his um, his importance to Watford is 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 absolutely immense. I think so. Yeah, I'd say I everyone who plays for Watford deserves an England cap. But um, <laughs> but I, yeah, to be perfectly selfish, I'd rather we we kept him under wraps and kept him uh, expending his energy only for us. Of course, they wouldn't just be England caps. They could be many, many national uh, team caps. Um, the other one
0: is... If this is There's a couple, a couple of people sort of... Everyone's sort of talking. I don't know quite exactly why. I know it's because we've got the Greek number one goalkeeper on the bench about dropping Gomez. Mm-hmm. And we know that he is part... There is a, We need a transition away from Gomez because of where he is in his career. And you don't want it to be... Just fall off a cliff. Uh, and a question that sort of came in from... Uh Michael Jeremy was uh, should Gomez be dropped firstly? And I don't the answer is no, but something needs to be managed to get someone else to have some appearances. And if
1: he is and Deany's on the bench, who should be captain? Tom Cleverley? It's a really good question, isn't it? Um and yeah, not one i have given much thought to, so yeah. very, very good question. Yeah. Um yeah, whether it's um, whether on the centre backs, I don't know. Or I mean, you could even. Yeah, it's a really good question. Well, you think the centre backs is one, the two that came to mind for me. One was Prudel, and the other
0: one was Cleverly, because of age, mm. more than anything. And Cleverly is the number one person, first person at least for uh, celebrations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Prudel was the player of the year last year and signed a nice four-year contract yeah. this year. Mike, four more years of that pretty
1: <laughs> prince. Oh, happy days, wasn't it? I resisted on Twitter. I didn't, <laughs> but yeah, be still, my beating heart it's, uh, it's genuinely exciting to have him for uh, um, for another four years. But what I think is great is because you start, you know, you, you start thinking about Chalabar and being like, too young, but they feel like a team again. Yeah. So I think the role of captain is less important and it's more about a, a sort of club captaincy role that's that remains important you know keeping the dressing room ticking over keeping you know the discipline all the stuff that needs to happen behind the scenes to keep a team working as a team um it almost feels at the moment as if you know anyone could be captain and anyone would anyone would be willing to step up, up, up and do it because like i said everyone's working for each other they're working for the they're working for their head coach so i think you know what's great is that anyone could technically do it And I think anyone would do a good job. Now, cool, Mike. Pick someone. Yeah, I think I danced around that, didn't I? (laughs) A good question deserves a good answer. And I think if I had to um, gun to my head, it's quite a straightforward decision, really. But I think Decore would be um, captain. And hopefully, if he was made captain, would be so for the next 20 years.
0: I had a question for Jason. Uh, he couldn't be here with Mark and I this evening. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually a question I sort of stole uh, from a podcast called Set Piece Menu, uh, which is a good little football podcast you can uh, have a listen to. Uh, another one you should listen to, by the way, is one called Quickly Kevin, which is all about 90s football, because uh, the, more, the more podcasts you listen to, the hopefully more you'll listen to from the Rooker end. Uh, but on it, they asked the question, what was the most important position? And, of course, their podcast was about every single position. So I asked Jason, what was the most important position in Marco Silver's? Four,
3: two, three, one. There's an obvious, which is the goalie, but that's important <laughs> in every, in every, in every formation. So, in terms of the four, two, three, one, and the specific specifics to that, I think whenever I see a, a formation with a one in it, I always feel that is going to be the most important position because it's someone that could, if they don't apply themselves correctly, could end up being isolated. And I think it's certainly the case when that's the forward man. And I think the way. Marco uses the the lone striker as well. I think it's it's different to the way other coaches might use it. So rather than a sort of traditional false nine playing with a false 10 just sort of swapping positions mm-hmm. kind of thing. I think Marco looks for a lot more dynamism from his from his lone striker. And I think that's why we've seen him bring Andre Gray into the piece because I think he thinks he can be a lot more dynamic than maybe a Dini or a Kaka. Firstly, I think it depends on the teams you're up against as well as to how your role is going to pan out for that game. When you're playing up against a, um, a side, maybe when you're away from home, and a side is pushing up and looking to pressure and attack you. They're going to leave a lot of space in behind the defensive line. So the striker will need to to be able to play off the, the shoulder of the last defender and look to get in sort of behind the line. That could be with a direct run on goal. It could be playing wide and sort of moving down the channels and and looking for one of his other, one of the three men behind him, sort of coming up to support him. When up against. A side at home that are better or maybe uh, tougher opposition and you're under pressure, then you need someone who's a bit of an out. Someone who can hold the ball up, shield it, let other players who've sort of been carrying out defensive duties maybe then join the attack and just try and keep a bit of possession and keep the ball away from the from the better sides. And then also when at home, I think against sides that are there to defend, against weaker sides, you certainly you then need something even where the real sort of dynamism comes into play you need someone who's going to drop short to receive the ball you know they're going to get bullied a bit so they need to be strong when under pressure from the centre-backs and the whole movement of the player across all sort of three of those types of games needs to be good both up and down the pitch and from left to right as well When you've only got one attacker, you can't rely on that person to score the goals or even to get into the box. They need the three from behind and maybe from the two midfielders as well to to get into the box, to get into the goal-scoring positions. And to do that, your striker needs to move the defenders around. So it means his movement has got to be maybe with his back-to-goal coming back towards his own goal line to drag one of the centre-backs with him to create a hole there. Or it could be running across left to right and dragging the defenders that way and creating a hole for one of those players to run into. Um, so it, it, I think there's quite a lot of reliance when it comes to our attacking play, a lot of reliance on that on that lone striker. So that's why I've picked him out as the uh, as the main man.
0: The last of the questions we had, Mike, uh, sort of follow on from that, quite quite nicely, mm-hmm. as if we planned this. Uh, one of them is about uh, Hughes. A uh, uh, two actually, Daniel uh, Lally and also Tim Rose asked about you know maybe with Charlie being injured, there's an opportunity for for Will Hughes and I don't think he's going to necessarily start. Um, as we already said, Pereira coming for cleverly, cleverly going back a little bit makes a bit more sense at this point. But he might be on the bench and he might start getting his opportunities. Uh, coming off the bench but the one he brings up and it's the, almost like the, the player that that's getting the most conversation I think uh, is Okaka not being picked and Jason just talked about you know the number one man for him in this in this formation is that the lone man up front uh, why is Deanie we know Andre, you know Andre Gray is, as Jason says designed for that role better than, than all, both of them but why isn't but why is Deeni uh, ahead of Okaka
1: it's well I think first and foremost it's very 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 clear that Marco Silva does not fancy Stefano Carco He hasn't featured in matchday squad since the since the Liverpool game. Um, so it's almost a moot mo- point. He doesn't want to play him and he's not going to by the looks of things um andre gray is you know jace described it perfectly there that's exactly what andre gray does moves the defense around makes runs uh, makes life makes life genuinely difficult for for the opposition which is great i think troy can do that to an extent he makes life more difficult for for the opposition in slightly different ways um but i think the thing that troy has got over akaka is he's done it you know he has scored a lot of goals for Watford. He scored um, a reasonable amount of goals for for Watford in the Premier League. Um, he's um you know, sort of talismanic uh, aura, if you like, around the around the um, around the training ground. One assumes that he's still, you know, into an integral part of of, of that. Like we said earlier about um, the, the club captaincy role, you need those you need those big characters. Um, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but you need those characters in in the team. And I think that's why you know, Marco Silva, I would imagine, sees Troy as one of his trusted lieutenants. It'd be interesting to know how. How has Karker has reacted at the training ground to his exclusion? Um, I think, you know, over the transfer, it became clear before the transfer window shut that he wasn't really high up the pecking order. So it'd be interesting to know how he reacted to to during that period was he agitating for a move did he not impress when it when it became clear that he was going to have to really fight 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 to to change silver's mind you know players have done it you know look at look at Kuman and Niasse at the weekend he's had to bring someone in and he's come in and, and he's he scored two two goals for him so you know if deeni's injured a Akaka, on the bench or if they both get injured he starts so but has he has he shown enough to, to force his way back in we don't know we're not at the training ground um, but we do know he's got a massive job on to, to persuade Marco Silva um, um, that, that he's worthy of a, a place in the squad. I've always thought he's been limited. I always thought he's a auxiliary sort of striker that's, to be perfectly brutal, to be perfectly blunt, a squad striker, someone that we we can rely on if needs must. Troy De- Andre Gray's shown his worth, I think, so far this season. Troy Deeney showed more than his worth yesterday coming on. Didn't get enough credit for for shutting down the pass. He he forced the 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 Swansea defender into a into a poor pass. He hassled them like Man City did to us the week before. We shut down. We made them make bad decisions, and he got the got a toe end on it. And Richardson went and did the, did the rest. So, but my thing is a carker though. If you were sort of to look at them without
0: no you know th- thinking that Marco doesn't like him yeah. or does fancy him, which always sounds a weird thing to say, the, but it's it's almost the fact that he if you said who was the best out of all the skill sets that are closest to Andre Gray Akaka is nearer with his running that Dini doesn't necessarily have nearer to to Andre to therefore would almost be the next choice
1: yeah, I don't. I don't buy that. I don't agree. I think. While what I would say is that whenever he's come on and whenever he's performed for Watford, I think Akaka has has done admirably. Admirably, and he's done. He's performed well. I don't think he's he's let anyone down. I don't think he sort of played his way out of the squad or out of the side. And I certainly wouldn't be disappointed to see him involved. Um, but I just think there's something about though the there's something exciting about having Gray start and Dini coming on. I think from a from a squad from a match day squad point of view, um, it's those two for me every time. A is absolutely fine. He'll come in if one of them is injured or, or suspended. He's going to have to keep working. He's going to have to keep his his nose down. I'm sure his head down. I'm sure he will get. I'm sure he will get a chance. It's the nature of the beast, especially at Watford, if people dropping like flies as as per usual. Um, but he has to be ready if that opportunity comes um, to take it. For me. Um, I'm happy with with Gray as a starting striker and, and, and Dini on the bench. For me, that's it's exciting as a Watford supporter to have those two in that uh, in those two uh, two roles.
0: Thank you very much for listening. Uh, ne- up next, oh, up next, West Bromwich Albion. Uh, a trip a trip to the highest football stadium in the country, which always comes out uh, when we play uh, at that at the Hawthorns. Um, do we sort of say? Do you think actually that that's going to be a better
1: game for Troy to start? Nope. No, nope, I keep Andre Gray. Let's ask those questions. I didn't say, would you make the choice? Is it a better game for Troy to start? Uh, still no, John. <laughs> still no. I think we, we keep it as it is. What I do think is, is an, an enormous test. I think um, West Brom have got our number in terms of our psychological approach to, to games. They, they, they'll they find it very easy to get under the skin of, of people like uh, uh Britos is back, of course, um, if he can get his way back into the team um so we know what we're going to get with West Brom um they they play the on the margins in terms of their sort of approach to to how they want to get things done um I think it's a massive massive test for us it'd be fascinating to see if um if we go to the formation that, that Colin suggests I think it it makes sense um I think we've just got to have faith in ourselves play our game um, keep moving that ball forward, keep staying positive. Let's get Richarlison bombing down. Let's get Guerrillo bombing down. Um, I love Firmino on the right-hand side. Um, what I'd love to see is let's set a basis for a solid back line. Let's, let's try and stick to it. Whether let's not get anyone sent off, let's not get anyone injured, and let's start from the back and build a solid back line in front of Gomez um, and, and keep moving forward. It's going to be... It's one that makes me incredibly nervous. I think we could... Um, easily lose it three 0 I think we could easily win it two now um, uh, so really really interesting one this and I think this is going to be the best and biggest away test that we've had so far I think they're a team that we should judge ourselves against um, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that we go there and get something be, we'd be hopeful three away wins out of three but you can't underestimate it it's such a difficult thorny prickly physical mentally testing game. Pulis is is a great great manager. He gets the best out of his, his squads. Um yeah, really I'm licking my lips at it, but I'm nervous about it. It's what Premier League football should be about, right?
0: Well, uh it games coming up, the last one before then, another international break. Um so uh let's hope we get a, a good win and, and you know, and I think that it, it would then for me at least feel like we've played Almost every level of the of the Premier League now in those opening seven games to have a good clear picture of wherever we end up uh, in the league after those seven games is a good sign where we're probably going to end up. Hopefully, uh, in the uh, at the end of the season. So thank you again for listening to From the Ricker End. Do tell your friends. Do subscribe. Uh, most things you listen to uh, are to a podcast has a subscribe button. So please
1: whack that subscribe button. Uh, before you go. A couple of friends of the podcast have been up to uh, worthy, noble causes. Firstly, Geordie, co-host, is um, he did a uh, half-marathon walk this weekend... Um, so he's raising money check out his uh, his Twitter feed for the, for the link um, at Geordie Connor and also uh, Alice, Alice Arnold did the uh, she missed the Swansea game That's uh, <laughs> so that's going some but um, she did the three peaks challenge and again raising raising money for a, for a char- charitable cause so if you're feeling generous if you want some money on the uh, cumulative over the weekend and you've got a spare fiver check out Geordie's Twitter feed check out Alice Arnold's Twitter feed uh, and donate if you can well done to both those guys for uh, getting out there and doing good stuff but of course most of all well Well done to Marco Silva, welcome to the Golden Boys, get in there, your beauties!